0: What's our excuse? We don't have a good one. Uh, I'll just give you the answer right away. Um, What's our excuse to not live and act and behave as Christians? We say we're Christians, right? Most of us in the room. If you're not yet, I apologize. This might seem a little foreign. But for most of us, we profess to be Christians. And as we walked through this James series last week, if you weren't here, you missed a, a uh, a good time. I, uh, I delivered a bunch of punches about how we had to do the word. Any of you remember that? Some punching going on? Yeah. Um, and so it's really, really crucial, and it's something that gets lost. Um, but I, I also want to make sure that I didn't diminish the importance of fellowship. So as we are doing the word, there's an amazing importance that we are doing fellowship. There was a time in my life 20 years ago where I kind of separated myself from the church and did, uh, did my faith on my own, and it ended up being very detrimental to my, my own faith and not actually helping anything. And so, so it, sometimes it's hard to do faith together. I think James, through this whole book, is having a really hard time doing faith with a bunch of people because he's very frustrated by the fact that they are uh, getting caught up in a bunch of stuff that, in his opinion, and I agree, is useless, pointless, as we'll see today, dead, demon, useless faith. That's how he felt about it. That must be frustrating. But we need each other. It's important that we build each other up and we do faith (laughs) together. So this week... Last week, I spoke about doing the word and there was a lot of like strong encouragement in that sermon. And this week is kind of the iconic James text, 2.14 through 26. And in this text, he's hammering at it again. Faith versus deeds, let's go. So I could just come swinging once again this Sunday, but I thought that that might leave everyone feeling a bit bruised by Aaron's sermon. So what we're gonna do is I wanna take a little different approach to the sermon this week. And first, I wanna pose this question. Let's put the question up on the board. Let's see. Andrew, I believe. There it is. Does justification as an ongoing and final right standing with God depend on the works of love? It's an interesting question. And I'm gonna present some stuff today that I feel that uh, I think there's two answers to this question. I think there's a yes answer and there's a no answer, and we're going to look into that more deeply, but ultimately understanding the fullness of a living faith. Are you excited? All right. Let's learn and look at the word together. So we're in James 2, 14 through 26, <clears throat> and it says this, what good is it? My brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And if one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied, By action is dead. But someone will say, One has faith, another has deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish, empty person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believes God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would be revealing to us today uh, what you have in store. As we are your workmanship, God, I pray that you would be revealing the works that you would have for us to do. God, that we would move forward eagerly to love others, to show what we believe and who we are in our actions. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I said I was going to do something a little bit different today, and I'm going to continue with that. What I want to do today is I want to pit or put in a cage match Paul versus James, So we're going to put Paul in a cage match against James. Because many people look at this text and think, man, this seems a bit contradictory to the things that Paul said. And I think that we we would believe that because I do believe, in short, those two men, because of their ministries, would answer this question differently. Crazy. okay? I think Paul would answer this question with a resounding no. And I think James would answer this question with a fervent yes. But I think the outcome of this conversation will surprise you because at the end of the day, I believe their thoughts align and that they would affirm each other in their answers. So let's first look at Paul. Paul said a lot of strong things. He was dealing with a lot of hard situations and he referred to himself we'll get into this again later but he referred to himself as a planter it's like somebody who begins the work of knowing Jesus so paul in romans 3:28 he says this for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law in galatians 2:16 he says this Know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have to put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. And again in Romans 4 5, he says this However, to the one who, is, who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Hmm. And then we look at James. We look last week at his convictions about doing the word and that we don't get caught up in our religious ceremonies. We don't get caught up in our Sunday services, in our liturgy or whatever you may call it. But instead that we would be people that would do something. That we wouldn't be worried about the trappings of our Sunday gatherings, but instead that we would be concerned about seeing God's love furthered and his kingdom glorified here in our lives. Amen? Amen. That's a hard truth. And when we look at what James has today, to say today, the verse 24 is hard to reconcile with the stuff that we just shared that Paul wrote. He says in 24, you see that a person is considered righteous or justified by what they do and not by faith alone. He refers to faith that is separated from deeds as dead faith. He refers to it as demon faith. He refers to it as useless faith. I don't want that faith. How about you? But at a glance, it seems like these two are butting heads. Wouldn't you agree? At a glance, at what we've looked at today, you might be more informed. (laughs) But at a glance, it certainly looks like they're butting heads. Let's bring that question back up. Does justification as an ongoing and final right standing with God depend on the works of love? And I believe Paul would say no. And then he'd qualify it by saying, if by works you mean deeds done to show that you deserve God's ongoing blessing. I think Paul would say, no, if by works you mean deeds done to show you deserve God's ongoing blessing. And I think that James would say, yes, if by works you mean the fruit and the evidence of a living faith like Abraham when he offered his son on Mount Moriah. And then Paul and James would look at each other and they would agree with what the other one had to say. Hmm. Well, Aaron, you're assuming a whole lot and you're putting a lot of words in some pretty amazing godly men's mouths. So let's dig into them further their lives, their ministries. And I think it's important for us to understand when reconciling this concept of saving faith and justification that we have a firm grasp of who Paul was and who James was and what their ministries looked like. Paul was dealing with Gentiles. He was dealing with a lot of different people who had been in some form of religious commitment where their gods required some kind of works in order to be pacified or satisfied with them. He was dealing with a culture of religious fanatics, we'll call them, or extremely legalistic Christians coming from the Jewish Christians that were trying to place limits on how the Gentiles could have a relationship with God. He insisted on our inability to earn God's forgiveness. And he dealt primarily with the initial steps. He dealt with a lot of different things as far as church is concerned. But when he was dealing with people, he dealt with the initial steps, which many of us need to return to daily of accepting that amazing gift of God's free grace. And we can only accept this forgiveness, which God offers freely through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to pull my phone out because I'm missing part of my notes. Sorry about this. All right, so James, I got it. James is dealing with a group of professing Christians, most of which were Jewish, but this group had claimed their forgiveness and a new life and relationship in union with Christ. It's much like us today, right? Many of us have claimed that justification, that forgiveness. We own that we have new life. Amen? New life. Amen. Such a proclamation of new life must be reflected in the living. Or it's not new at all. Right? Get an amen to that? Amen. We have been justified. And now we must show that we are sanctified. We have been justified, and now we must show that we are sanctified. In these two men's ministries, they were addressing different issues, different people, different concerns. And because of that, it, God had given them different tools, different passions, Different things they needed to walk through and deal with. And they dealt with them exceptionally. But they dealt with them differently. But we will see that if we look deeper into the New Testament, this uh, this concept of new living is reiterated again and again and again and again. John the Baptist preaches that we should prove the reality of our repentance by the excellence of our deeds. That's in Matthew 3. Jesus himself preaches that we should so live that the world might see our good works and give the glory to God. It's Matthew 5, 6. And despite the amazing frustrations that Paul faced with legalism, he clearly defines what faith looks like when living in surrender to Jesus Christ. In Romans 2, 6, it says this: He will render to each one according to his or her works. In 1 Corinthians 3 8, Paul says this 3 8 and 9. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wage according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's buildings. In Galatians 5 6, he says, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcised nor uncircumcised has any value. The only thing that counts is faith, expressing itself through love. So Paul supports this working, living faith. And I think where we struggle is that we, a lot of times when we talk about faith alone, we imagine uh, that It's the understanding and acknowledgement a knowing that is complete faith. But I think it's something more. Paul, when he closes almost all of his letters, he encourages the coworkers. Hey, say hi to this person. Tell them they're doing great. I love this person. I'm so proud of this person. Go do this great thing. Hey, by the way, everybody go love people. He closes almost every letter like that. So as he's signing off, he's saying, go do it. Go do it. So let's look at the question again. Does justification as an ongoing and final right standing with God depend on works of love? When Paul teaches in Romans 4, 5 that we are justified by faith alone, he means that the only thing that unites us to Christ for righteousness is a dependence on Christ. The only thing that unites us to Christ for righteousness is dependence on Christ. And when James in 2.24 says that uh, we are not justified by faith alone, what he means is faith which is justified doesn't remain alone. Faith that is a justifying living faith doesn't remain alone. And they would agree and affirm each other. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, and we should walk in them. I'm going to invite up the worship team. The glory of Christ in the gospel is not merely that we are justified when we depend entirely on Christ. But also, depending entirely on Christ is the power that makes us new. It makes us new. We have new life. And in that new life, we are to be loving people. Love is the evidence of the reality of true faith. We have been justified. Now we must show, we must walk out together and show that we are sanctified, depending wholly on Jesus as we go out and love people. Amen? I would love to see, I I was thinking about from last week, we talked about how there's 100 plus million people that attend church regularly in a million different churches. But I don't know how many loving God-doing communities there are. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I don't know how many there are. It's really important that we do this individually. That's good. That's good. And it's really crucial. It's the most crucial first step but it's also important that we do it together. And I don't know how many communities of God-doing, loving groups of people there are in the U.S. I don't know. I couldn't put a number on it, but one thing I am certain of is at least I, and I hope we, wanna be one of them, right? I hope that we want to be a church. We'll call it a church, but reality, there's the church is, is, is all the Christians. I hope that we want to be a community that loves God exceptionally, encourages each other radically, trusts deeply so that we can become better, listens excellently is slow to speak and slow to anger. I want that to be our community. But above all else, I want us to be a community that wants to see God's love taken to those around us, whether it's providing for the poor, whether it's taking care of widows or orphans, looking after immigrants, whether it's uh, dealing with people who are emotionally struggling This season with the small groups is so encouraging because I get to sit with a small group of people who are being very real, and we get to encourage each other. And I think that that's what it's all about in house. But it's not all about in house. Do you guys want to join with me in being a church that does the word? I give you another shot. I'd really love a little more enthusiasm. Do you guys want to be with me, go on an adventure together to be a church, a community that does the word of God and brings his love and goodness to the people around him for his glory, not our glory? That's right. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.